Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Kershell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, thanks so much for joining us this week. We've got a really big show. It's just you and me. After a string of incredible guests here early in the spring and some unbelievable conversations, there's some things I want to address today coming out of the mailbox, some comments and questions through Twitter, and also some house cleaning. I want to set up the spring, the late spring and summer as well. So it's just you and me this week, and I'm really, really excited. Listen, it's springtime. It's one of my favorite times of the year uh, for sport and also just for life in general. You know, for everybody here up north, it is such a beautiful transition time. We're getting outside now from a long, cold winter. But even down south, the spring represents a transition time, especially in sport. You know, the spring-summer leagues are kicking off. And, of course, in professional sport, Major League Baseball is now underway. You have the NBA and the NHL heading towards playoffs, and both of those leagues are shaping up. You have golf. You've got soccer. You've got tennis. There's so much going on in the world of sport. In fact, you know, this might be a good time. Why don't we do this? Let's start the show off looking at how we're doing on the Crush Watch List. If you're not familiar, at the start of every professional season – we look at the teams, the players, and the storylines to watch. So why don't we go through some of the major leagues and see how we're doing right there. And then um, I want to talk about sport injury. And this comes from a Twitter conversation that was thrown my way here this last week from, from our crushers out there. And it turned out to be an incredible thread. And I promised everybody on Twitter that we would attack this topic this week because, first off, it's really, really important. But one of our followers had a son uh, going in for his second hip surgery. And uh, this is a young player. And it's happening more often than we might think. And there's reasons it's happening. And it's not just in hockey. So I want to address this this week. One, because, well, we promised we would attack this. But two, it's a really, really important conversation. So I want to thank everybody for that Twitter thread. Again, uh, at Jeff Crush is our Twitter feed. I don't do a lot on Twitter. I mean, if if I see something, an article or some research, or if there's something that I really want to share with our followers, I will post there. But this is really what I enjoy, this interaction. You guys throw questions my way or I'll throw questions out. You guys answer. And it's all about getting everybody thinking about things. Uh, But there's some serious, serious data and research on injuries in sport. We're going to get to that uh, right off the bat here. And then later in the show, I want to talk about How can we make you better? Or if you're a coach, how can you make your players better, more valuable? How do we help our players become more coachable? Or again, if you're an athlete, what are some of the things you need to think about to make yourself more coachable? I've been doing a number of virtual presentations this spring talking about strategies for exactly this. So let's lay that out. Let's put it on the table and maybe we'll start a conversation there as well. But there's some key strategies that I know can help every athlete out there. So let's do that. And then later in the show, I want to reset our two main themes for 2021. This, again, for me, is really important because we're going to put together some serious episodes on our two main themes this year. The Crush Brain Game 
and talent and talent ID. Let's talk about those again. Let's review what they are, why we're so concerned or interested in them, and some of the things we're going to be talking about coming up. So important for sport. And the glorious thing about this, you know, is we're setting up our series here and doing the research behind the scenes for these two main themes. We've had a couple shows on on each already. We had Dr. Baker talking about talent from York University. Uh, we've had Dr. Morazic, Martin Morazic coming on, setting up the brain game. And we've got some serious, serious episodes coming up. We're going to set it up in like three-part series. So coming up here early in the spring, we're going to do a three-part series on the Crush Brain Game. We're going to talk about what that's all about. And then, you know, later in late spring, early summer, we're going to do a massive three-part series looking at what talent development is truly all about. I think we've lost our way a little bit. That's one of the reasons we're so passionate about that here in 2021. And then, of course, uh, we'll talk about some of the other things we're going to be doing here this summer. It's going to be fantastic, and I can't wait. Okay, so let's get rolling. Springtime sport. Again, such a great time of year for sport. Again, for the grassroots because of the transition, but in pro sport because all of the things that are going on. So the Crush Watch List. Again, at the start of every season for all of our new listeners out there, we look at the pro leagues and we decide, okay, what are we really interested in? What what teams are we going to watch and why? What players are we going to watch and why? And what are some of the hot storylines that we're interested from the Crush perspective? And it very rarely has to do with who's going to win or predicting who's going to win. It might be how is an organization doing in their rebuild or how is an organization going to do uh, rebounding from a terrible season? How are some players going to do come back, coming back from injuries or, or, or being traded to a new team? All these kinds of things from our perspective, there's a lot to learn from professional sport. They're really, really, truly, as we say it all the time, if you want to know what to do, look to the pros. And then, of course, we we kind of jokingly, but also seriously talk about sometimes it's also great to watch pro sport to find out what not to do because there are mistakes being made up there as well. And so there's lots to learn. Let's see how we're doing in the NBA so far. Our number one team to watch this year at the start of the NBA season was the Brooklyn Nets. One, because of the player moves they were making, but most importantly, Steve Nash taking over as head coach. You know, it's not very often players transition into coaching without some serious experience doing that job, especially at that level. So we're watching Steve Nash with great interest. One, because we have incredible respect for the man. As a person and as an athlete, he is one of the pros' pros. In fact, you know what? I'm really going to try to get Steve Nash on here after the season. Just to have a conversation. You know, it'll be busy. We're going to try, though. How great would that be? Just to talk to him about it. Uh, They've had a fantastic season. They have delivered. Oh, my goodness. Tied for first place right now in the Eastern Conference. That team has been fun to watch. And again, that's why we are watching them. We were watching the Lakers as well. You know, they're quite a ways back now, nine games or something like this. Um, The Lakers are always interesting to watch, especially because of their roster. It's an incredible lineup of superstars. And it's not always a group of superstars who can make an organization or a team successful in sport. We know this. Coaches know this. So you got to make sure you have the right players together. And honest to goodness, We're watching that because of LeBron, of course, but also how does LeBron work with these other players? Can they do it again? 
Always fun to watch. And of course, the Jazz, the Utah Jazz, were not on our watch list, but what a great surprise they have been in in the NBA. And our number one player to watch this year uh, going into the season was Zion Williamson. Of course, if you remember in the draft, the Pelicans' number one pick, the, the number one pick overall, he was touted as the savior of the organization. His first year wasn't great, a few injuries, but this year, listen, two thumbs up from us. Absolutely. It's been fun to watch. He has been bringing it. He's still dealing with a few injuries this year, but this kid, oh my goodness, man. He is one of those faces of the game that's really, really coming into his own. Give him a couple more years and I think he will be the player in the NBA. So we're watching him with great interest and it's been fun up to, up to this point. And then from a league perspective, one of the top stories we were watching was sort of this realignment of their competitive schedule. The NBA is maybe one of the most progressive leagues in trying to really help their players shine. And if there's one thing that they have learned from the COVID bubble, travel is a killer. So the NBA has modified their travel and their their competitive schedule for the last two years. Previously, leading up to COVID, during the shutdown, the feedback about player performance, okay, the level of play game to game. And then the players' feedback on how they felt, you know, they felt great. They felt more rested, all right? Really shone light on how taxing the travel can be. So that's one of the stories we're going to watch. And, you know, when we talk injuries here right away, we have to bring this up because, you know, as much as the pro leagues are trying to manage and put a dent in the injury rates, man, they're fighting an uphill battle for a number of reasons. Uh, But, you know, we're waiting for data from this season to see how injuries and the prevalence of injuries uh, sort of rolled out in this first competitive post-COVID season. So we're watching that with great interest. I'm giving us uh, passing marks for our watch list in the NBA. In the NHL, our number one team to watch was the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, it was because they were really investing and talking about making a charge. Now, this is an incredibly unique year because of the way uh, the the, uh, conferences lined up. You know, the Canadian players in the north staying north of the border. Um, I think there's good and bad here all over the league. I think we're really reigniting some of the rivalries in the game, which is so much fun. And the teams have played each other so many times up to this point. Man, you know, at the top of the at the top of each division, we're looking at playoff like hockey already. It is heating up and I'm loving it. But Buffalo was our number one team to watch. Jack Eichel, of course, Hall was signed on, and we thought they were going to be doing some good things. Actually, we were watching with great interest. Well, it didn't happen. Why not? We don't know yet. We're going to watch the rumblings. We're going to try to Focus on that uh, that uh, organization very, very closely because I do believe there's a lot to learn there. Um, Hall has been traded now to Boston and he's having, he's doing great. So maybe that wasn't the fit they needed, right? We were also watching the Edmonton Oilers and they're right on track. You know, can they finish will be the question, but boy, oh boy, are they talented and they're still adding to their team. That has been a fun team to watch. And if you remember um, coming off a very successful season, They fired their head coach and their GM at the same time. And one of the reasons we're watching them is because they have a couple of the greatest players in the game right now, and they need to build around those players before it's too late. The entire league is watching. The entire world is watching. 
And so with a new head coach and a new GM, they're making progress. And they, they've been really fun to watch this year. McDavid is just incredible. Of course, one of our players to watch this year. Um, the pressure's on Toronto, and they're delivering as well. They have really, really uh, high expectations for themselves, and they are executing. They had a couple, couple tough patches this season, but they're executing. So that's been fun to watch. And then Tampa is my pick to win the, or was my pick to win at the start of the season, the Stanley Cup, and they still are. Stamkos is one of our top players to watch. He's a game changer. He's had a few injuries this year. Will he come back and help them finish the playoff run and the playoffs? Stamkos is a game changer. We said it last season and maybe the season before that, but Tampa's a team to watch. And then one of the big stories in sports coming out of the NHL, Patrick Marlowe. 41 years old, second overall pick in the 97 draft. He's in his 23rd NHL season and has passed Gordie Howe's record for games played. Okay, Gordie Howe's record, 1,767. Man, incredible. Talk about durability. Talk about consistency. Man, there's so many players you could talk about. You know, when we talk about this kind of performance... You have to think about Cal Ripken Jr., 2,632 consecutive games played in baseball. Come on. It's insanity. It's crazy. And what Marlowe's doing in, in the NHL is even more impressive simply because of the physical nature and the dangers associated with that game. Hats off. What an incredible feat. You know, if you look in the NFL, you could probably, my mind goes to Favre and his what, almost 300 consecutive games played in that league? Really, really impressive. And I also can't help but think about Jerry Rice. 20 seasons as a wide receiver in the NFL. You know, I don't know if there's any other wide receivers. I don't think there's anybody that's come close to 20 seasons. But imagine surviving the NFL for 20 seasons. Incredible. So hats off to Patrick. What an incredible feat. And the San Jose Sharks, of course, are really reaping the rewards from his efforts there. You know, if I had one wish for athletes out there, it would be durability. It really would be, you know? And and that's something we're going to talk about here coming up as we address uh, our Twitter exchange from this last week. Uh, it's an important conversation. But before we get to that, hey, we got to look at Major League Baseball, okay? My number one player and my favorite player to watch in the game for the last three seasons has been Ronald Lacuna Jr., you know, from the Atlanta Braves. Um, this kid, I mean, since he entered the league, there's just something special about him that I personally liked. And boy, oh boy, he is often one of the greatest starts in in Major League Baseball for a young player. I mean, he is the number one player in the league. Man, diving back to first base last week, he he uh, had a abdominal uh, um, injury. He's making his way back. But boy, oh boy, is he fun to watch right up there with Trout, I think. But Acuna Jr. is my personal number one player to watch. Uh, um, just because of how he plays the game. And there's more to come, I believe. So watch him with great interest. I don't know who your player is, but I'd love to hear it. Send me a message. I'd love to hear who your team and your player, if you were to have your number one picks, uh, post it to me or send it to me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush. I'd love to see what you guys are watching out there. Uh, But our number one player is Acuna Jr., The Mets were my number one team to watch. The Reds were our dark horse. They're all both doing really, really well. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. Of course, they're on our watch list this year to see if they can just keep it rolling. That's an organization to watch. Oh, my goodness. 
They are something special. All right. And then my prediction, again, you know, looking at their early standings, it's so up and down in Major League Baseball. Uh, in the American League, nothing seems to make sense. But here's my prediction. By the All-Star break, everything will be as it should be in the beautiful game of Major League Baseball come the All-Star break. Let's just watch and see how it all rolls out. It is so much fun just watching how this stuff works. All right, let's cut out for a quick break. When we come back, Let's get to that Twitter question that came in from our fellow crushers out there about injuries in sport, where we're going and what we can do about them, why they're happening. And let's also look at some of the strategies you can use to make yourself more coachable, or if you are a coach, to make your athletes and your players more coachable and raise their ceiling of potential. Lots more to come right after this on Crush Performance. When it comes to training for top performance in sport, both quality and quantity are two very important concepts. Our goal is to have our athletes competing at the highest level possible for as long as possible. And when it comes to everyday life, we want the very same for you. And that's what Inside Tracker is all about. Founded in 2009 by top scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data from MIT, Tufts, and Harvard, Inside Tracker is a personalized health and wellness platform like no other. It's purpose built to help you live a longer, more productive life. Inside Tracker uses a patented algorithm that analyzes your biometric data and gives you a clear picture of what's going on inside your body. And then Inside Tracker provides you with a concrete, science back action plan for reaching your health and performance goals. And it's so simple to use. The Inside Tracker app tracks your progress every day and guides you along every step of the way. You know, we have one question we ask our audience on the radio show and talk to our athletes about all of the time. We ask them, what are the two most valuable commodities on the planet Earth? The two most valuable commodities available to each and every one of us. For us, those two most valuable commodities are your health and your time and nothing else comes close. And we want you to have as much quality time as possible. So here's what I want to do. For a limited time, my listeners, all of the crushers out there, get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. All you have to do is go to insidetracker.com backslash crush to get your discount code and start using Inside Tracker today. Again, go to insidetracker.com backslash crush. That's crush with a K to get your discount code and 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store because change is an inside job. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at crushperformance.com. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. There you go. A little preview of some great new music coming from our good friends over at The Whale and the Wolf. Their new single, Veins. It's going to hit the airwaves. Their release date, April 29th. And you can get in on the action. Go to whaleandthewolf.com and you can hit the pre-save button on their website. And it'll hit your mailbox as soon as they release it on the 29th. You know, you want to talk about talent. You know, we just finished a conversation about teams, players, and storylines to watch. You know, if you look at the great bands, the bands that are creating great music, and especially those those bands that have stood the test of time, 
that's as special as any sporting organization. It really is. And so these guys have just been incredibly fun to watch, especially through this COVID period, right? I mean, it could have been really easy to throw in the towel. They're not touring. They're not, you know, playing their live gigs, you know, so they shifted gears really quickly and they're, they're in the studio with all the COVID restrictions, trying to make music sometimes uh, uh, in different parts of, of their region. You know, they're not even together, but they're figuring out a way to make great music and videos as well. Really, really cool. These guys are fun. Hey, check them out if you haven't. Uh, they're one of our favorites for sure. So I want to thank them for those music clips. Okay, so last week on Twitter, a really important question came in from one of the crushers out there. And it's an important question, and I, I, I promised we would address it and attack it on today's episode uh, because it's worthy of probably an entire episode unto itself. So here's the question. I want to read it to you. It came in saying, hey, at Jeff Crush, kids are so competitive now, always training. Are you seeing more of these types of injuries in younger players? The forces in a pitcher's arm, skating, or the butterfly of a goalie movement are unique to most sports. Does early physical literacy help these sports? And I think, you know, the reference there was, does physical literacy help reduce injuries in this sport? Well, it's a great question. And, you know, we were just talking about some of the stories we're following in professional sport. Well, one of the stories we're constantly following sport to sport, but as an industry as well, are the injury issues in professional sport. And listen, they are, they're dealing with the aftermath of an incredibly broken and dysfunctional developmental system. You understand what I'm saying? The professional teams where the injury rates are so high right now across the board in every sport, by the way, you know, they're dealing with the aftermath. There are so many resources there, so many incredible experts on every single team. How is it possible, you might ask, that we're seeing so many injuries in professional sport? Most of these injuries started well before any of these players signed on the dotted line of their professional contracts. They've started in youth sport. And the pro teams, for the most part, are dealing with the aftermath of the chaos down there. And it's going to be our job, a massive movement to clean it up. And on this Twitter feed, this Twitter feed went on for a couple of days. It was fantastic. And again, I don't, I don't really post a lot on social media. Uh, I guess I got to get better at it. You know, we're going to be posting some videos and doing some cool stuff when our new website comes up. But, but I really only post things when I, I feel there's something that I really want to share with you guys. And, and maybe it's important or maybe I think it can help you out or, or if there's a hot story or some cool information that's coming around, uh, we'll post that. But man, oh man, do I love these questions that come across the board. It spurred on an incredible conversation. And, you know, we were just talking about professional sports and one of the sports that has a lot of data and is probably really, really progressive in trying to manage and, and curb the injury uh, rates in their sport is the NBA. Major League Baseball is also doing some incredible things, adding rest days, adding a, now a man to the Major League roster. What a huge move that's going to be. One of the reasons we're really, really watching this season. Crossed, fingers crossed, that we get an entire clean season through this COVID madness uh, coming out on the other end. So we get some data for sure, but also for the safety of the athletes. Uh, but this is going to be an interesting one to watch. But when we look at the NBA, there's some really alarming data that's come out. And we'll, we'll post the links to this on our social media for sure. But here's a quote from a couple years back from NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. And he said in a conference that was looking at the injury rates in their sport. This is what he said. Okay, 
Uh, this is sort of at the end of his, of his presentation or his, his address to the media. He says, what our orthopedics are telling us is they're seeing wear and tear issues in young players that they didn't used to see until players were much older. So the data's coming in, all right? And these are professional signed players in the NBA. And, you know, they're seeing their young superstars broken down like veteran warriors in the league now. And again, we know that this damage is starting younger and younger and younger. So here's some hard data coming out of the NBA that sort of reflects all of this. The four highest tallies of games missed by young players in their first two seasons have occurred in the last four seasons leading up to the COVID shutdown. I mean, think about that for a second. As a trend, it's alarming with everything that we know and with the unlimited resources at the professional level, we're seeing record-breaking injury rates at the professional level. In fact, players picked in the 2014 first round missed 838 games due to injury in their first two seasons, the highest figure ever recorded. Then in 2015, 637, which was the third highest tally ever. In 2016, 548 missed games. In 2017, 751 games, the second highest in the history of the league. To give you an idea of the trends. Then in 2018, 2019, the last full season before COVID, okay, the league saw over 5,000 games missed due to illness or injury. Again, the highest, the highest in league history. And the huge concern, again, surrounds their young superstars, their young players. And you can have the exact same conversation in every single sport. Listen, kids are broken by the time they get to college, leave alone professional sport. So you have to ask yourself why. And that's what we're doing. Listen, we have been on this for almost 10 years now. And one of the major areas of conversation when we're looking at the injury trends in grassroots and developmental sport, as well as our pros, is the issues of specialization, early specialization before the age of 12, focusing in on one sport and going for it. We've talked about this many times on the show, so I apologize if you're hearing it again, but we can't talk about it enough, okay? Early specialization is a dangerous, dangerous game to play. And again, that's focusing in on one sport before the age of 10, I say before the age of 12. We want our young athletes trying different sports and playing different sports for as long as humanly possible until they decide which way they want to go. But listen, there's lots of reasons that specialization happens. One, with the greatest of intentions. We go out and we give our, our young athletes uh, private coaching and club teams and travel teams and all of this. And with the greatest of intentions, we're probably doing more damage than good. There's a lot of value into playing multiple sports in terms of development, just pure development, mentally and physically. The attributes of playing a different sport can really help the development or the performance in the sport the player chooses to be passionate about down the road. And again, remember, developmental sport is not about creating high-performance athletes. High-performance athletes are just a great spin-off of a good process. But our process, I'm telling you, is broken. I'll say this again. I truly do believe we're destroying more talent than we're creating in our developmental sports systems. And the data is right there. Right there. And it indicates exactly that. But when it comes to specialization, you know, if you're a family of five kids, you know, you can't, it's, it's 
probably almost virtually impossible to have each of those young people playing three or four different sports and maybe taking dance or drama and music and whatever else they're interested in, right? And those those non-sport activities are as important as sporting activities in terms of overall development. There is no doubt about that. So let's make that perfectly clear as well. But sometimes, just because of the way things are, specialization has to happen. Maybe the only sport you can afford for a child is one major sport. But that being said, when they're not involved in that sport during the season, should we have them playing that one sport year-round? Hell no. Give them an off-season of just out playing with their pals or out just free play, riding their bikes, skateboards, doing whatever it is they're going to do, right? Getting down in the in the schoolyard with their pals, playing games uh, or, or whatever it might be. So if specialization is just a reality for you, don't be discouraged. There's ways to manage that. One of them is to make sure that at some point during the season, they get away from that particular sport and do things just for fun. It doesn't have to be organized sport. As a matter of fact, organized sport is sometimes uh, not the best place for a young athlete to be. It's so out of control right now. Honestly, we're seeing this through COVID right now. Free play is really turning out to be a good thing. And we knew this from the beginning of time. We're just losing that free play because of the industry of youth sport, private facilities, travel times, private coaching, you know, teams and organizations locking players in. They don't want to lose them to other sports now, which is a travesty. We should be working together just to raise the potential of our athletes. So when they do choose a sport, they can absolutely love it for life or maybe two or three sports, right? Again, another reason that the the system is, is greatly broken. So if you are in a situation where specialization is just your reality, hey, the strength and conditioning and athlete development can make up for, for the absence of other sports. A basketball hoop in your driveway or hockey net, street hockey, a bike or a skateboard, trust me here, can be as valuable. And so to kind of wrap up this part of the conversation, uh, here's a really interesting study that is done that, that, that really sort of sums up what we're talking about. It was a study done on elite tennis players, young elite tennis players who had been specialized since a young age. I think every one of these athletes before the age of 10. And what they found uh, that for these athletes who played that game year round, they were at significantly higher risk for serious overuse injuries, right? Which kind of makes sense. But we're talking bone and cartilage injuries, ligament injuries, muscle strains, tendonitis, tendinosis, because all they did is tennis from a young age year round. How much more of a risk were these athletes at? Well, when they compared them to other athletes who played multiple sports over the year, the kids who specialized in tennis in this study were at 125% higher risk of injuries than those kids who played other sports. 125%. If you want the study, write to me. I'll send it to you. Alarming, period. All right. And then, hey, getting back to that Twitter question and that great conversation that we had online um, at Jeff Crush, the guys, uh, the crushers out there were, were sending me a question. The other part of that question was, does early physical literacy help these sports? Well, listen, physical literacy needs to happen. Physical literacy is like, learning the movement skills. It's going to help an athlete be successful in sport, helping an athlete become more coachable. And is physical literacy going to help you reduce the risk of injuries? Not if you're specialized early and not if you're going full tilt year round. 
There's no getting away from the damage that's going to be done. So physical literacy is just part of the problem and it's not part of the answer here, I don't believe. I think what, what we have to consider here is the concept of athlete management, right? We're hearing that in professional sport now, but it's something that we're really going to have to engage in. If we're not going to change our youth development systems, it's something we're going to have to engage in in youth development. We're going to have to talk to our coaches and our parents and our athletes from grassroots, the tiny tots, right up to our elite high school and collegiate athletes about athlete management, load management you're hearing in professional sport. Now, listen, this stuff has been around since the beginning of sport. It really has. You know, just because we have analytics and then we're measuring things now, you got all these fancy words coming out. But periodization and managing athletes over a year has been happening since the beginning of sport. It's not new. We just lost our way. So one of the things I do believe that will really help is just making coaches, parents, and athletes aware that rest and recovery is the number one priority for performance in sport. And sometimes that means taking part of a season and getting away from that sport, right? So I want to thank everybody who was involved in that sort of Twitter exchange, uh, all the crushers out there. And I want to thank, um, thank you for that question. It really spurred on a lot of thought. We're going to cut out for a quick break. Okay, when we come back, I want to talk more about this and what we can do about it. And it matches in with our topic that we want to address here today as well as how do we make our athletes more coachable? Well, if we do things right, not only can we make our, our, our athletes more coachable, more, more valuable, more robust, we can also help them reduce their risk of injury and raise their ceiling of potential at the end of the day. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about that and we're going to set up the Crush Brain Game and talent and talent ID. Lots more to come on Crush Performance. Stick around, everybody. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Kershell. If you want to reach out to us, please do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is our email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and search out Crush Performance on all of the social media. All right. So we've been really hitting it today. A lot of great topics and a lot of great conversation. And a lot of it is spurred on by you guys. Questions, comments, and smart remarks that have come in through our social media platforms and through our email as well. But one of the things that we want to continue talking about here today was the idea of, you know, coming off our injury prevention sort of conversation that we had and that great, great Twitter question that came in from the crushers out there. Um, I want to continue that conversation talking about how can we make our athletes more coachable? Or if you are an athlete listening, what can you do to make yourself more coachable, more valuable? How can we help you raise your ceiling of potential in the long game of development? And one of the top priorities has to be injury prevention. You can just look at the data out there when it comes to injuries and the dropout rates in sport. That second injury is a death blow. It's a death blow to participation in sport. Kids don't want to be hurt. Athletes don't want to be hurt. And yet it's happening at an all-time high. So are the dropout rates in organized sport. So what can we do? What can we do, one, to help reduce the risk of injury? But at the same time, if we do it right, increase the ability 
the coachability, and the potential of our players. Well, it comes back to our conversation of when we start setting up programs in sport, what should we address first? Now, if you look at the sporting environment out there, competition and gameplay is number one. And one of the major, major flaws, in my opinion, in developmental sport is the focus on gameplay. Now, listen, kids love playing games. I did as a kid. And so I get it. But if you look at our competitive seasons, the way it's set up, there is no preparation time. Where are we preparing kids for the demands of sport? How many practices are there before you start playing games in your sport? In a regular year, a regular non-COVID year, how much would you practice before the first game? I'm alarmed. There's little to no preparation time in youth sport, developmental sport. And when we do have those practice periods, you know, as few as there are before we start our competitive schedules, we're focusing on gameplay. There is no preparation for sport in our youth development models, other than maybe some of the academies that are doing some great jobs out there. And actually some of the facilities, some of the privately owned facilities that get it are really doing a good job as well. And there are massive opportunities for those organizations and those businesses that do understand the big picture. But if you're one of those academies or privately owned uh, facilities that have kids focused in one sport year round, I can only pray you understand the ebb and flow of annual planning. And my fear is, no, not even my fear. We know it's not happening out there. It's go time year round. In baseball, we know we stop throwing during the winter at some point, but they never take a step away from the game to do other sports. Or if you're specialized in a sport, to physically prepare for the sport. We just don't see it in youth sport. So again, you know, I joke around when I do my presentations. I've done a lot of presentations here this year during COVID online. And one of the themes that's coming out of, out of these conversations with the coaches, parents, and athletes is, hey, this conversation that, that's load management, athlete management now. And again, it's not a new concept. It's been happening from the beginning of, to- beginning of time. We're just ignoring it or overlooking it. Again, I joke around all the time saying, hey, if I were the king of sport, <laughs> I'm going to run a campaign and hopefully I'll get your vote. And I'm joking, of course. But, but if I were, and I, I'm serious here now, if I were, if I had a wish for developmental sport, we would reorganize the competitive schedule, making the first third of the season, maybe even no games, a third of the season. We don't need all those games. You can still play inter-squad games and maybe set up some fun games for sure, but we don't need a league right from the get-go. Where are we preparing our athletes for the games? Gosh, it's maddening. And it's such common sense if you think about it. Let's talk about this, right? If we are going to help our athletes participate in sport, be injury-free, be more skilled, have a better base of athleticism so they can be more coachable when they actually get into their sport, what do we need to do? We got to go back to our top priorities in sport performance. And if you're new to the show, here they are. And if you've heard them before, maybe you could share them. You guys could probably, our followers, our listeners, you could share these with our audience, our new audience right now, right? Our top priorities in sport, every program, should be built around rest and recovery. 
And that takes, in youth sport, the coordination of the parents and the coaches. If they're playing on a couple teams or playing multiple sports or maybe they have music or a part-time job, all of these things have to be taken into consideration. And then you can start planning your practices, how intense, how long they are, what you're doing, and then you have to work around your competitive schedule, right? But it has to be built around recovery and rest. You cannot build your programs around work and more work, and then plug in rest here and there. It's one of the reasons we have so many injuries. It's not that our athletes are overworked so much. They're under-recovered. They're not prepared for the game. So an example we've been using here recently is, you know, if you, let's say you're coaching 12-year-olds in some sport, and you have one player who kind of grew up doing cross-country every year. And then you have another player who didn't really do a, anything else other than just play the sport when the season was on. Which one of those players is going to recover better from your practices, from your games? The player who ran cross country, without question. It's part of the recovery process, having that cardiovascular base, preparing athletes for the game. So rest recovery and sleep is king. Talking to our athletes about sleep, at, even at the youngest ages, will help them in every aspect of their life. And I think that should be part of the sport culture. It might not be a typical thing that our youth coaches are talking about, but why not? It's so important in every aspect of life. Nutrition and hydration, great conversations to have with your athletes. Our number two priority. Posture and range of motion. Well, now this is something that you do need to know about a little bit. So we can't, it's very difficult to ask volunteer coaches to take this on. Uh, but that being said, we can easily set up simple programs that you can implement during your warm-ups or during the conditioning phase or a little fun little conditioning phase of every practice that one, I know for a fact your athletes will love and enjoy. And two, if it's done right and presented right, you're going to be driving down the street one day seeing your players doing them in their backyard because they want to get better and they're, they're seeing how it works. But there's things we can do, and again, to physically prepare our athletes for the games, but also to withstand the stress of the games. Like take a one-sided sport like golf. It is one-sided and if all you do is swing that club and swing that club, you should see the mess of postures we get coming out of the golf world. The baseball world's exactly the same, one-sided sport. Tennis is another one. But our hockey players, if you're a left-handed or a right-handed um, player, we can see you walking down the street a mile away and, and tell which way because the postures go off. Our curlers, our world-class curlers are so imbalanced. And that's what we're talking about. So rest, recovery, sleep, nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion, and then teach movement. Before you even talk about your sport, teach these kids how to move and then transition it into the game or use the drills in your practices as movement skills, movement training sessions. And it just happens to be a baseball there or a soccer ball or, you know, a football drill or whatever it might be but we need to actually teach movement. We can't just expect them to be movers. And then there's the new addition to the crush top priorities. And that's the crush brain game. Okay. And the brain game is something that we're adding in because we're at a point in sport development and sport science that we've never been at before. It is maybe the most exciting time in sport history right now, because we kind of know the physical side. We're kind of at a biological ceiling when it comes to physically preparing our athletes. We just don't do it well, especially the developmental levels, right? But you want to get an athlete stronger. You want them to be more powerful, run faster. We can do that. You want to teach a skill. We know about technical, tactical work. 
right? Team play and, and, and the tactical side of the game, but also skill development and then developing the athlete to be a better player. That's coachability, ladies and gentlemen. And if we do it right, not only will we raise their ceiling of potential in the long game, but we'll also help reduce their risk of injury. It could be as simple as a well-organized warm-up session. If you have your kids twice a week and you play once a week, that's three sessions a week. That's incredible. You can change a career path of an athlete with some constructive work three times a week. It's all powerful. So I'm going to encourage people to at least start thinking about it. And if you think I'm wrong, let me know. Let me know. Nobody's been able to make us budge off this mindset that we have because, man, we've been doing this for 30 plus years with some of the greatest people on the planet. And the things we're seeing in sport, man, the injury rates, preventable, okay? Pushing talent, so doable. And this next addition to our top priorities is one of the most exciting areas in sport performance and athlete development right now. And that's the crush brain game. You know, it's more than just sports psychology and the mental game of sport. That's one small piece, part of it. But it's much more than that. It's the neuroscience. And neuroscience is a big topic. It's learning. It's memory. How does all that stuff work? It's behavior. How we perceive our environments from what we hear what we, what we smell, and most importantly in sport, what we see, how we see, how we perceive things, decision-making, personality and move, consciousness, all these questions come into play. But we're at a point now from a technology standpoint that's allowing us to do things, to map and train the brain and understand what's going on in there like never before. Heart rate variability, biofeedback. And these are the things we're going to be addressing coming up in 2021. The Crush Brain Game is one of our main themes this year, along with talent and talent ID. And we've got some really, really exciting series coming up later this spring and early this summer on both of our themes. And we're going to break them down into three-part series. We're going to do it a few times over the course of this year so we can do a deep dive and help everybody better understand what the brain game is all about. Where are we at? What does it mean? And how can we use it? through the lifespan of our athlete performance. Okay, it's way different for a 9, 10, 11-year-old than it is for a a 25-year-old veteran of professional sport, but it's as important at every level of the game. And then talent and talent ID, well, talent development. We just talked about what we know in terms of physical preparation of our athletes, that biological ceiling. We We know so much. We're at a ceiling about the physical preparation of our athletes. There's not a lot we can't do if we, if we have effort and time, okay, and if we're training with purpose, we can help an athlete get stronger, get faster. We know about technical, tactical development, as we mentioned, and we don't know how good an athlete can be until they've gone through a good process. Unfortunately, most of the athletes out there aren't experiencing great processes, right? Our developmental systems are greatly flawed in general. Don't get me wrong. There's some shining lights out there and there's some hope. But boy, oh boy, can we do better. And again, that's why I'm so excited right now. We have a lot of work to do. But if we can start sharing and talking about this stuff, there's so much more we can do for this next generation of athletes and and for the athletes that are playing right now. It's not too late. It's never too late to introduce this stuff. I mean, look how good some of today's athletes are. Oh man, it is fun to watch. Could they be better? Without question. Without question. You just have to figure out what area you need to attack and then what path is it going to lead you down. 
And once you start mapping that out, the sky is the limit. And it's not as complicated as you might think. Just get back to the basics. Listen, we need to prepare the athlete before we go into sports. So listen, we need to address those things that we're so passionate about. Rest, recovery, sleep, nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion, and teach them to move. Teach them to interact with the ground before we even get them into the sporting environment. Now, those two can overlap for sure. You can can definitely overlap a transition phase into it, but we can't start with competitive games. In most sports, the game takes away more than it gives back. It's a conversation maybe we'll start off next week's show with. Okay, we've got a great lineup of shows coming up later this spring and into the summer. Again, two major focuses, the Crush Brain Game. We'll be breaking those up into three-episode series over the course of the year and Talent and Talent ID. Listen, we're terrible at predicting future talent, but we are getting really, really good at developing talent. We're going to talk about that with some of the world's experts. The Crush War on Sugar will return. We've gotten away from the Crush War on Sugar, but there's a lot of new things to talk about out there, and we're going to be back with a vengeance. It'll be the Crush War on Sugar but it's going to be the science of sweetness. We're going to look at sugar or sweeteners, but we're going to look at everything you put into your body and the outcomes they create. That's the key to nutrition. And we're going to spend one episode every month talking about that with some of the world's top experts. Okay. Wow. Well, we're out of time, everybody. Listen, this has flown by just me and you today. And I've loved it. Hey, keep those questions coming. Really do appreciate it. And again, we answer every single message we get. If you need some help or you want to talk and discuss some of these things we've talked about today, uh, let me know. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is the email. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. Get out there. Go have some fun. Stay safe. And most of all, get better. We'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Let me say this, all right? And listen, nobody knows that Trevor Lawrence can be a great football player. Nobody knows that. It's impossible to know, all right? After that, to me, is a crap shoot. I've heard every expert. If I listen to 40 experts, there was 40 different opinions about the next quarterbacks. Literally. Like, one will say, this guy's overrated. This guy. Nobody knows is the answer. Now, from what I've heard from other people and what I've seen as well, I watch a lot of college football. Um, Mac Jones, to me, is the most ready football player. He's the most ready for this year, maybe next year. But I think he has a lower ceiling. I just don't know how talented he is. Everybody says he's very he's a smart kid. I saw a special on him and his father, how they made a pact and they wrote this big contract on how he's going to conduct himself. He's very mature. Okay, and to succeed in your first year in the NFL, you have to be mature. I think first and foremost, you have to be mature. You also have to have some exposure to to a lot of football, which I think Mac Jones has. So I think he's a most ready to go. So if San Francisco was to pick him, um, and Garoppolo went down, they'd probably be in the best hands because they have a lot of good football players around them. Now for me, Justin Field is number two. I, I mean. I don't know why this kid, and we don't know. If everybody says he's plummeting down the draft board. You don't know that. San Francisco may still take him at three. You don't know that, okay? It's up to them. I mean, we, if we keep on listening to the press, we'll be wrong a lot. Nobody saw Daniel Jones getting drafted as high as he did last year. There's always surprises out there. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. 